Psalm chapter 107, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 23, where the Bible says, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, everybody say great waters, these see the works of the Lord. And his wonders in the deep. My message today is for sailors only. Thank you. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. There are things that you will never see in the seas and in the great waters unless you are a sailor. And some of you have sailed the open seas. And there are just beauties to behold, great power and might of the of the universe and all that God has put together out there, and and they even say there's there are fish in the ocean that that we've not even discovered yet, that we haven't even seen it. There's it's such a vast. Uh, it's really, uh, in fact, men have not been able to go to the lowest depths of the sea yet. Did you know that? Because there's there's so much going on, and and I'm glad to tell you this morning that 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 the Lord, when He washes your sins away, that He removes your sins from you as far as the east is from the west, and He throws him in His sea of forgetfulness. He puts up a no fishing sign. Can I get an amen? And you can't go to where He threw your sins. You can't get that deep, and that's another message in and of itself. But aren't you glad for God who does great works in the great waters? Now, how does this relate to us this morning for sailors only? Well, I want you to think of your life as a sailor on an open sea. If you're a Christian saved by God's grace, uh, if you need a little Bible for it, the Bible often uh, symbolizes seas as the mass sea of humanity. Uh, the, uh, the nations of the earth, if you will. Let me give you the, the text for it, just so you'll understand where I'm coming from. It's in Isaiah chapter 17 and verse 12, where it says, Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas, and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. So often the Scripture uh, uses seas to symbolize the mass sea of humanity that exists. And if you look at our text and make a parallel comparison, this is not just talking about what you would see in a literal ocean, but that which you would see in God's works amongst the mass sea of humanity. Just as you might learn the ways of God from things you observe in nature, you can also learn the ways of God by things you observe when He works among us, His people. And when He even works among the heathen, the lost seas of humanity that are out there. And, and, and God gives us, I believe, every, uh, every item in nature is an object lesson that God intended to use to help us understand spiritual concepts. I, I thought about when Jesus was walking the earth and he would go, for example, to the Sea of Galilee and he would teach his lessons or preach his sermons there 
on the Sea of Galilee. They say that there's a spot over there at the Sea of Galilee that you can stand next to the water and preach upward, and it's just like a perfect layout on the ground where that voice would carry. And I got to thinking about how when God created the earth, He must have fashioned it so that Jesus could stand in that spot and preach that sermon, and it would project where it needed to go. Amen. I got to thinking about how that when Jesus began to talk about the sower, the parable of the sower and the seed and all of that, wasn't it convenient that he could use seed and the sower to teach us spiritual principles? Well, that was done by design. God created the seed so that Jesus could teach us about the seed to help us understand spiritual concepts through natural observation. Isn't that wonderful how that God uh, went to such great depths and, 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 went, uh, and, and put so much effort in creation? And so that we could look and see the Godhead, that is the Trinity, even in nature itself, that we could learn more about spiritual principles through natural observation. Isn't that wonderful? And, and so I, I want you to look at this not from a natural perspective this morning, but from a spiritual perspective. They that go down to the sea in ships, that is, those who enter into the work of the Lord to reach the lost. Are you with me? Am I connecting with you? Say Amen. That do business in great waters. This is, these are great waters. Uh, uh, the, the world is your mission field. It is a vast sea of humanity. These are the people that see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. Hence my title for sailors only. Amen. You didn't know it, but you're a sailor. Whether you've ever been on a boat or not, if you're saved by the grace of God, called by His name, you're a sailor. You're to be fishers of men to reach people for the cause of Christ. And so uh, uh, this reminds us of the great commission that Jesus gave us uh, when he said in the book of Mark, chapter 16 and verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so it is our obligation and our responsibility as a church to go into the seas of humanity to reach the lost and to observe the works of God in these great waters. But let me ask you a question. How many of you know that the very minute you surrender to the work of the Lord, it seems like every devil in hell that never bothered you before jumps on your back? Have you ever noticed that? Every time you decide, I think I'm going to sing again, the devil will give you an excuse not to. Every time you say, I'm going to get back in church again, the devil will send somebody by that you hadn't seen in 20 years. And wouldn't you know, they need you there on Sunday. Amen. That's just like the devil to fight every single step of your journey to try to keep you from getting what God wants you to have and what God wants you to do. Know this, that it is going to be some turbulence on these seas and these great waters. Don't be surprised, amen, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial which is sent to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to fight the devil along the way. And, and, and the biggest devil you're going to have to fight is the one that you see in the mirror, amen. Oh, come on now, church. You might as well just nod your heads up and down and say amen. Because I don't know about you, but the devil don't give me near as much trouble as my flesh usually gives me. Amen. If I can get this flesh whooped, amen, it might be a little easier to get the devil whooped. You hear what I'm saying? But you know what the devil will do? He'll fight you. 
He'll discourage you. He'll talk you into quitting on God. He'll talk you. He'll 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 make sure that somebody at church pushes the wrong button at the wrong time so that you are quote unquote offended and you decide never to go back to that church because somebody hurt my feelings. Can I get an amen, church? The devil's gonna fight you any way he can. You gotta be bigger than that. You gotta let th- some things roll off your back like water off a duck's back. You can't let every single thing bother you. People are going to be people, and guess what? If they didn't get on your nerves, you would be, you'd be getting on their nerves. So we might as well just realize we're human. God loves all of us, so we might as well learn to love each other. Amen? In spite of our imperfections, all the things that we do to get on each other's nerves, some of you, my preaching might even bother you. I hope not, but if it does, I can't let that bother me. i got to be who God called me to be, because you ain't the one I'm going to stand before God and give account to on the day of judgment. Amen? And guess what? I, you're not going to give an account to me on the day of judgment either. So what we got to do is we got to find our path and we got to decide who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve the demands of people that are not spiritual? Amen. We just want to have to say, you know what? I'm not going to church for you. I'm going to church for Jesus. Amen. And by the way, one more little lesson on the word offended. We use that way too liberally. Uh, we use the word offended with the phrase, you hurt my feelings. There's a big difference. Amen. A big difference. Don't tell me you're offended if your feelings are hurt, only hurt. Because to be offended is to cause you to completely abandon your faith and walk away from God altogether. You're not, you're not offended if you went to another church and you keep serving God. Your feelings were hurt. Amen. There's a difference. Don't say you're offended if you're not. I don't know who this is for, but I know the Lord wanted me to visit that little thing right there. Amen. Don't be offended. Jesus said, Great peace have they that love my law. Well, Jesus didn't say it. Well, he did because he's a word, but it's in the Old Testament. Great peace have they that love my law, and nothing shall offend them. If you love the Word of God, nothing can drive you from it. That's what that literally means. If you love the Word of God and you love the work of God, can't no thing or nobody drive you from that. Amen. Because once your love for Jesus gets bigger than your desire to be approved by men, once you divorce yourself from public opinion, you can be a mighty force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what people say. Young people, listen to me. Peer pressure, I know that it's great at your age. But listen, you're going to have to learn how to get past all that peer pressure and forget about what other peers expect you to do or not to do and quit worrying about being cool, amen? Jesus never was cool, but he's the awesomest thing that ever happened to this planet. Can I get an amen? Jesus actually was the definition of cool, if you want to know my honest opinion about it. Jesus did what was right in the midst of the most adverse situations. I'm talking about working in the seas of God's humanity. When you're dealing with people, it's going to get tough. And 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 as sailors, we've got to endure hardness. Have you ever heard the expression? Uh, uh, oh, Lord, help me to remember. I, I, it was right on the tip of my tongue. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, smooth sailing never made good sailors, or something like that. It's the storms that strengthen us and make us tough. 
And I commend some of you because you've endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you, the devil give you every reason in the world to quit, but you're still here. I salute you. I commend you. I thank God for you. But let's do something else also with that strength. Let's go encourage those that are weaker, those maybe that fell out. Instead of talking about them, eating them for lunch in our conversations, let's go visit them. Let's go invite them back to church. Let's go see if we can reconcile. The Bible says, you that are spiritual to restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, if you don't watch it, you'll make the same mistake they did because of your, because of your pride and your arrogance. You see, when we're dealing with people, it's, it's just like a sailor in the sea. There's going to be turbulence. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems that persist. There's going to be obstacles to overcome. There's going to be opportunities to bail out. Amen. And so I want to give you some things real quick. I'm going to try to hurry for the remainder of this sermon. But I want to say, number one, we see the mysteries of these great waters and this great work of God. The mysteries of the sea, for example. He said, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Amen. That's Psalm 77, verse 19. That's for those of you still trying to figure out what God's doing. I've got news for you. You're never going to figure it out. Amen. Job said, Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. Amen. We've only, we've only touched but the hem of his garment. He is so vast. Even with all the gospel and all the word, God, God's Bible is not everything there is about God. It's just everything he wants us to know about him. You think about that. He is so vast. You're not, he, the Bible says he's past finding out. And so there's going to be some mysteries. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 30, verse 18, there, I want to give you this. Uh, it's worth noting. There be three things that are too wonderful for me. Yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. The one common denominator with all those elements is you can't trace their path. You can't trace their path. And that's what God's saying. God is a spirit. And the Bible says the wind bloweth where it listeth, and you don't know when it's coming or where it's going. God can come in and come out, and He can do things in such a way that He leaves no trace of or evidence of how He did it or why He did it. You just know that He did it. Amen. And I'd like to say to you that on September the 9th of 1990, uh, He saved my old wretched soul. I don't really know how He did it, and I don't even really know why He did it, but I know that He did it, and I'm glad for that. Amen. Sometimes faith is accepting what you do know and trusting God with what you don't. Amen. Some of you are wondering what God's up to in your life right now. Well, guess what? There are some things that will remain a mystery, and sometimes we must be resolved to simply live with that understanding and be okay with it. God don't have to tell us everything that there is to know. Amen? Number two, we see the might of these great waters. Psalm 107, our text, verse 25, said, For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. The Bible said that He commanded the waves to be lifted up. Did you know that sometimes God will send a storm into our lives to reprioritize our lives, to remind us of what's most important? Because here's what happens. 
Sometimes, if we're not careful, He'll be so good to us that we'll get our eyes off the blesser and on the blessing. And we'll set up idols in our lives and worship the stuff that God put in our life. And sometimes God's got to send a storm to rip that idol back out of our life to remind us of where our blessings came from. Amen? Now, if you're like me, I don't like it when God sends storms into my life. Now, I know there's some things the devil does, but there's some things God, we just read the text, He commandeth. God knew they was on the sea. Jesus sent them disciples out into the water, knowing there'd be a storm coming, but He was wanting to teach them a lesson of faith. How are you going to learn faith if you have no opportunity to use it? Faith, by its very definition, must be used in a moment that you have nothing but trust in Almighty God. When you have nothing left but to trust God, you may be in the most vulnerable position you've ever been in, but you're also in the most secure position you've ever been in. You say, but I don't have anything to my name anymore. I've lost everything, Brother Gary. Well, if you've you've not lost the Lord, then you've not lost everything. Amen? In fact, you may find at the bottom that you just gained everything because he that findeth his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake and the gospel, Jesus said, shall find it. Amen? What if God's just stripping you of all the things that you've been relying on and trusting in so that you can finally learn to trust in him and in him alone? I'm talking about these battles that we fight on this sea of God's works. Amen? We, we need to see that sometimes the might of the waters uh, are raised up because God is doing something that is beyond our limited and immediate understanding. Number three, we see the madness of these great waters. Verse 26 said, They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Have you ever been there? They reel to and fro and Stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. I'm talking about sometimes life gets completely mad. Sometimes we're so confused and such at a loss that absolutely nothing makes sense anymore. If you were on a sea and you were to be tossed to and fro like this, you'd do good just to stay on the boat. Just to anchor down and ride it out till the storm passes. But you certainly get disoriented, lose your bearing. You can't study the compass whenever the compass is being thrown around as much as you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes life throws you a curveball, a tough one. And, and I only think I know problems, but I imagine in a crowd this size, there's some of you that have been through trouble that I would never want to walk through. But just because there's trouble don't mean that you've escaped the hand of God. Sometimes we make the mistake like Job's friends did. Job's friends said, well, Job, there got to be a hidden sin there somewhere. If you just repent and get right with God, all that go away. God take care of you. But what God said about Job was vastly different. God said he was a perfect and upright man and sin not. Wow, you better not listen to your friends when you're in a storm. You better listen to God alone. And you better not listen to yourself. You might be living under self-condemnation that God never put on you. 
just because you're in trouble don't mean necessarily that God is taking his vengeance out on you. He might just be setting you up to strengthen your faith so that he can bless you. What does the Bible say? Without faith it is impossible to please him. Have you been praying that you'd be pleasing to the Lord? Well, guess what? In order for you to please him, he's going to have to test your faith. So you pray and you'd be pleasing to the Lord, and the first thing God does is send the storm, and you're like, well, now, what's up with that? I thought God would be happy if I prayed that I'd be pleasing to him. He is happy, but he's got to test your faith. He's got to strengthen your faith, so he's going to let something happen. He's going to send something, and it's going to, it's going to test the very fiber of your being. He'll push you all the way to your limits, and then he'll say, enough. Because he wants to bless you with what faith can give you. Because that's the only thing that can benefit us is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You keep trusting in yourself and you'll, you'll be sadly disappointed. Amen? I'm talking about sometimes life gets mad. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand and it breaks our heart. And we lose a part of ourselves and we lose our bearings. And some of you are even maybe possibly even mad at God for all of the madness that persists in your life. But God sent me this morning to tell you that not only do we see the madness of the great waters, but we need to take a look at the Master. Before you give up, before you quit, before you stay angry at God and bitter and, and quit and, and, and pout and all, and I'm not being and I'm not being misunderstanding and I'm not being ugly because I've been there and I know the pain of disappointment. I'm not being cold and callous. But you need to take another look at the Master before you come to your premature conclusions about Him. Because what you see as an end, God may be looking at as a beginning. Thought about that? God may be starting something in your life that you haven't even begun to fathom or imagine. And you need to look at the Master. Verse 28 said, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. That's a good time to call on Him, by the way. Amen. He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Take another look at Him. Say another prayer to Him. Get, it, get back in His presence again and see if He won't come around for you. Can I get an amen, church? God's not done yet. Amen. The Bible says, He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus comes or calls you home, God is not through with you yet. God has not forgotten about you. He knows right where you are. In fact, He puts you there, and He's testing you, and He and, 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 and said it this way, Though He try me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, by the time God gets through working on me, He's going to purify the elements. You know what they do uh, when they, with the refiner's fire? They, they uh, put that pot of gold or that silver into a pot with a heat up under it and bring it up to a boil. And what they'll do is, is, that, is that scum and that filth rises to the top. They scrape it off the top until they finally see the reflection in that gold. And then they know it's pure. You know what God's doing in your life with all that heat? 
with all those trials, with all those tribulations. He's teaching you how to depend on Him so that you no longer depend on wood, hay, and stubble that will be burnt up in the fire. Amen. He's doing you a favor. He's not hurting you. He's helping you. It may it may feel like pain today, and it may be painful today, but give God time to work, and one day He'll see Himself looking at you. Think about that. Isn't that wonderful? The things that God does is beyond human comprehension, but He knows how to weave trouble with promise in God's Word, and He knows how to put it all together. And we know that all things... Work together for good. They're not all good, but it works it together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. There is no trial, amen, that will not go unused in the mighty hand of God. If you have trouble in your life, watch and see if God, as the master of the wind, will take that trouble and glorify Himself and strengthen you through it anyhow. I'm telling you, if there's one that can do it, he can do it. You say, not my trouble, Brother Gary. You don't know my trouble. There's no human possibility. There's no way under heaven that God can get any glory out of my situation. Are you daring God? Are you challenging the one that created the heavens and the earth? Are you the, are you challenging the one that spoke the worlds into existence? Uh, I would be careful if I were you. God can take anything and get glory out of it. He is the only one that's able to do that, and He is the master of your sea. What you need to learn how to do instead of uh, giving the devil credit for your trouble, amen, giving other external circumstances beyond your control, giving them power over you, you need to start declaring that Jesus is the master of your sea. That Jesus is the master of your storm. He alone is Lord of your life. There may be some things in your life that you have no control over, but there's not a single thing in your life that He doesn't have full and complete control over. For He's the master of your sea. Even yours. Even in the midst of your trouble. Even in the midst of your sorrow. Even in the midst of your pain. He is the Master, and He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could even ask or think. Amen, church? We see the Master Jesus arose in Mark 4:39 and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The Bible said, Oh, glory, in Psalm 107, and verse 29, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. I believe that God would be interested in stealing your waters today. And sometimes He rebukes the storm, and sometimes He rebukes me. What if God, before He calms your external storms, wants to calm your internal storm. Where we quit being anxious, being frightful, being fearful, worrying, stressing, where, I, where, where our inner man is that complete peace and trust with God. Where the storm no longer is inside of me. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh unto me. I know that 
it looks rough from your perspective. But I'm in good hands. Because God has me. And He's given me a peace that surpasseth all understanding. And He has calmed the storm in my soul so many times to enable me to endure the externals that I had no control over. Long enough to get me through them. Long enough to bring a brighter day that I didn't see coming. I'm telling you about the master of your sea this morning. Somebody needs to rejoice that God is in full control in your life despite what you have convinced yourself or what someone else has convinced you of. He is the master of the sea. I know the master of the sea. I know the maker of the rain. Y'all remember that song? He can calm the storm, make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. If you know that little chorus, sing it with me. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm, make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. Aren't you glad you know him this morning? I'm talking about the master. And then I want to close with this. When we see the meaning, finally, the meaning. I think one of the greatest questions in life, both for saved and unsaved people, is to try to figure out the meaning of their life. Who among us does not wonder from time to time, why am I here? What is the purpose in all of this? But verse 30 of our text said, Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them into their desired haven. God has a destination in mind for each of us. And what I would encourage you to do is to understand that when Jesus told his disciples that day that he sent them over to the Sea of Galilee and a storm came and he came walking on the water. and he's, uh, Well, I'm getting the stories mixed up. The one where he was sleeping in the back of the boat, they rose, rose him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus said to the sea, peace be still. You remember the story. But when he sent them out, he said, go to the other side. Did you catch that? You're going to make it to the other side. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You think he's going to send you out there for, for you to just to abandon you and leave you to drown in the misery of your self-existence with no help or hope from heaven? No. Men may abandon you indeed just like that, but God never will if you're his. And even if you're not His, He's coming for you too. You have to trust Him. It's not automatic. You don't, Nobody gets a, a, an automatic ticket to heaven without faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? In fact, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in trouble. You're in deeper waters than you realize today. The devil's got you deceived. You may think you're living high on the hog. You may think you've got, got it made in the shade. 
But listen, you can have a maiden in the shade in the earth and die and go to the devil's hell and spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire. You need to put your faith in Jesus. He's after you. But God didn't never intended to leave any of us abandoned in our misery. He came to heal. Amen. To save, to deliver, to bless. That's what his purpose was. Uh, read John three sixteen and 17. He came not to the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. Do you know why you were already condemned? Because you didn't believe in him. He said, well, uh, I, I got a... I got a sin problem, and I'm afraid my sin is going to take me to hell. Let me tell you, the only sin that will take you to hell is the sin of unbelief. That's it. And the only thing that will get you into heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. Not your works, not your Sunday school attendance, not your church membership, not your baptismal certificate on the wall. Amen. We are proud of all of our religious credentials, but ain't none of it worth a flip in the eyes of God except faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Y'all like for like, like it when I get raw and true about it? Don't we need that? I mean, we have so much faith going on today. In, in the religious circles, people counting on all kinds of things to give them heaven. Ain't none of it worth a flip except faith in Jesus' name. That's it. And you need to trust Him that He is going to see you through this battle that you're in right now, today. He's going to see you through. And if I look at you in your eyeballs, I don't mean I'm preaching right at you, by the way. I like to engage with my audience, so don't take it personal. Amen. But God has you. And I don't want to rush past this point. Because the Holy Spirit wants me to emphasize the fact that He wants to make your storm a calm. Let me rephrase that. He wants to be the calm in your storm. Jesus Himself is the calm in your storm. Isn't that wonderful? So let the storms rage high. My voice is about gone. The dark clouds rise. They won't worry me. Y'all remember that song? For I'm sheltered with the arms of God. He walks with me, and not a verse shall harm me, for I'm sheltered in the arms of God. That's the assurance we have. And let me tell you, there is meaning behind the madness. If you will look for Him, you'll find Him. Seek me, and you shall find me. Amen. In conclusion, Psalm 107, verse 23, we read it. It was our opening text, but I want to read it again. They that go down to the sea in ships and do great business in the waters, these see the works of the Lord. So you need to thank God that He enabled you to live life on the sea of His works. Because had trouble not come, you'd not have been able to see His delivering power. What a wonder to behold the mighty acts of God in your life. Amen.
So it's a privilege. Even the disciples counted it all joy whenever they was in temptation, whenever they was in tribulation. They rejoiced. And they they had started a song service over being thrown in prison. You know what we do? Well, they're persecuting me. I want to call my governor and see if he'll help me out of this mess. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we are so fickle. Come on, guys. We are so fickle. I mean, we we, we demand our rights. And here these disciples were, thrown in prison for their faith. They were just thankful to be counted worthy to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. We need to thank God for our trouble because we learn things that we'd have never learned anywhere else. There was a time in my life, and this was when earlier in my ministry, that I was praying that God would change my circumstances. I've been praying it for years. Difficult season. Till one night I was up on the mountain praying. And the Holy Spirit guided me to pray these words. Lord, tonight, I'm no longer going to ask you to change my circumstances. I'm going to ask you to change me. And it made all the difference in the world. And when I said that, it was like it released something in my life that not only changed me, but began to change my circumstances. I want you to think about that. What lesson? Don't ask God why. Ask God what. Lord, what is it that I can learn about you that will cause me to 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 be uh, more pleasing to you, to live more like Jesus? What lesson is there in this? Help me not to overlook it. I want to pass this test so we can move on past this test. Amen. And, and I want to close with this song. I'm not going to sing it because my singing voice is gone. Uh, but it's a wonderful song. Maybe one day I'll have the boys do it for you. The lyrics go like this. I feel the winds of God today. Today my sail I lift. Though, though heavy oft with drenching spray and torn with many a rift, if hope but like the water's crest in Christ my bark will use, I'll seek the seas at His behest and brave another cruise. It is the wind of God that dries my vain, regretful tears until with braver thoughts shall rise the purer, brighter years. If cast on shores of selfish ease or pleasure I should be, Lord, let me feel thy freshening breeze, and I'll put back to sea. If ever I forget thy love and how that love was shown, lift high the blood-red flag above, it bears thy name alone. Great pilot of my onward way, thou wilt not let me drift. I feel the winds of God today. Today, my sail I lift. Don't run from his works. Run into them, for He has you, because He's the master of it all. Everybody standing to your feet.